Today is a very special day. We are going to be talking to you this morning about some things that the Lord has said to me regarding the prophetic word for 2023 that I have received. That's what I'll be preaching throughout this year and thereafter until the Lord changes it. But that's my pattern. That's what the Lord's told me to do. Once I receive that prophetic word, then preach it everywhere I go. And as I continue to preach it, then God gives me more revelation on it. So it's a never-ending theme. And as you know, back on October the 5th is when I first received this prophetic word. And he said, tell the people that this will be a year for the maximum, the highest level attainable. Say that with me. 2023 is the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. Amen. Now, it matters whether or not you believe that. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, that the word did not profit them because they did not mix faith with it when they heard it. So it's important that you mix your faith with this word. If you want it to come to pass in your life. How many of you want to experience the maximum? Anybody looking for the highest level attainable? Then mix your faith with what you hear. Now, you haven't heard what I'm about to preach. So how do I mix my faith with it? You just say in advance. What I'm about to hear, I mix my faith with it in advance. Say it with me again. What I'm about to hear, I mix my faith with it. In advance. Can you say amen? amen? Now I promise you what you will hear will not be doubt and unbelief. Amen. Will not be religious tradition. Amen. It'll be faith. Faith filled words. Hallelujah. Amen. And you can mix your faith with it and expect God to cause it to benefit you. Amen. 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 Now once again, I received this word on October the 5th. I didn't begin preaching it here until October the 16th. And then, of course, I continued to pray and to seek the Lord. And the Lord gave me uh, several uh, other messages that I have preached in different places since that time. They're all right here. I start a new notebook every year. And these are the messages I've already preached on the maximum and the highest level attainable. Some I've preached here. Some I haven't preached here yet. And this is one of them today. Now... In early November, the Lord said to me, tell the people. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm the people. (laughs) So this is for you. He said, tell the people what they do first is a vital key to living in the maximum in 2023. What they do first is a key to living in the maximum in 2023. Now, I didn't know at the time the Lord said this to me, that Pastor Justin's theme in these 21 days of prayer would be first things first. I said to him this morning, you and I are on the same page. Hallelujah. What you do first always matters to God. Look at somebody and tell them that. What you do first always matters to God. Now, I want to read something to you that I read from a book. Uh, a long time ago 
And I, I, I tried to find the book in my library, but I got so many books I didn't have time to, to find it. But I, I wrote down something that I remembered him saying. It may not be verbatim, but it's very close because it made an impact on me a long time ago. And uh, I, uh, even though this is a man who wrote a book stating these principles, God stated them a long time before this man wrote the book. Amen. His name was Albert E. N. Gray. He was an official of the Prudential Prudential Insurance Company of America. It says he spent his life searching for the one trait that all successful people share. His book released in around 1940 was entitled The Common Denominator of Success. And it revealed that successful people's common characteristic was not just hard work, even though that is important, but the one that seemed to transcend transcend all the rest was the habit of putting first things first. The habit of putting first things first. He observed that the successful person has the habit of doing what failures don't like to do. Let that sink in for a moment. He observed, now he spent his life studying this. He observed that the successful person has the habit of doing what failures don't like to do. He went on to say, even though successful people often don't like to do them either, but their disliking to do, doing them is subordinate to the strength of their purpose. And their purpose is to fulfill their goals. So even though they don't like doing them, that is subordinate to their desire to see results. How many of you want to see the results? Amen. There's, there's certain things that, that I don't like to do, but I know I need to do them if I want success. Amen. And I want success. I'm not in this to fail. Amen. Uh, I'm in this to to fulfill what God has promised me and to give Him honor for it as it happens. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. He went on to say that every single qualification for success is acquired through habit. The habit of doing what other people don't like doing. Amen. And the, the, the thing that he singled out was The habit of putting first things first. Now turn with me to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. The book of Haggai basically communicates the same message that this gentleman wrote in his book. Once again, the name of that book, if you'd like to find it, uh, I I checked with with, uh, Barnes & Noble, and uh, they, they didn't have it in stock. Uh, it can be ordered online. But there were some good quotes in there. And I, I found some of those quotes in some of my old notes when I first read this book years ago. Uh, but I'm not going to go over all of that right now for the sake of time. These were the most important ones. Now, the book of Haggai, once again, basically communicates the same message. Let's begin in chapter 1 and in verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, 
These people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house be waste, lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Say that with me. Consider your ways. Now say it this way. Consider my ways. It's never God's way. It's always our way that prevents us from experiencing God's best. Notice he says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're always, you're, you're not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Twice he made that statement. At the beginning of where they were in their lives at that beginning, he's saying the reason you're here is because of your ways. Then after he tells them, this is your condition, and once again he says, and it's because of your ways. Now the message translation says it this way. Take a good look at your life, think it over. Take a good look at your life and think it over. So here we find in this little book, only a few chapters, that the people had begun to drift away from God and they live with misplaced priorities. A lot of Christians are that way today. They live with misplaced priorities. Now, everybody wants to succeed, but you can't put success ahead of seeking God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Everybody wants to succeed, and God wants you to succeed. But you can't put that ahead of your, your, your love for God, and you're seeking God. So here, we find, once again, the people had begun to drift away from God, and they lived with misplaced priorities. Haggai was sent to them to help get their priorities back in line with where they should have been, And what would have been pleasing to God. And he says, consider your ways. Now it may be something that you'll want to do this morning after hearing this message. Consider your ways. If things are not working the way they should work according to God's word, then there's nothing wrong with God's word. There's nothing wrong with God. Nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with Jesus. They'll leave anybody out. It may be you. In in fact, it is you. So he was sent to help them get their priorities back in line with where they should have been and what would be pleasing to God. His message to them was simply this. Put first things first. Put first things first. The temple had been destroyed by the Babylonian Empire some 70 years earlier. And God had given the people the task of rebuilding the temple. But they kept putting it off. Instead, the Bible says that they built their own houses. They built uh, their own good houses. And they left the house of God in ruin. Even though he had given them this assignment. 
rebuild the temple. And they kept saying, it's not time. It's not time. And so they went about pursuing their own dreams, their own desires, and their own wants. And left the house of God in ruin. They kept saying, it's not time. And as a result, they suffered for their procrastination and for their uh, misplaced priorities. And once again, that's revealed in verse uh, 6. (laughs) And once again, God says, take a good look at your life. Think it over. They were not experiencing the maximum. And they certainly were not experiencing the highest level attainable. For the temple to lie in ruins was not only an indication that they were prone to procrastination, but it also indicated a neglect in worshiping God. Because the temple in those days was where you worshiped God. And so they're neglecting their worship of God. I've discovered and I've observed over the years, and I'm not a novice, I'm going into my 54th year of ministry. I've observed over the years that when you get sloppy in some things, you get sloppy in your relationship with God as well. Let me try this side of the auditorium. If you get sloppy in just the mundane things, the things you do every day, that's the reason why uh, I'm not condemning anybody. You do whatever you want to do. But that's the reason why I prefer to preach in a suit. Amen. Amen. And not jeans with holes in them. Amen. That's right. Come on. That's right. Amen. Now, you do whatever you want to do. I'm not condemning anybody else. But if I get sloppy in the way I look, that could be an indication I'm getting sloppy in my relationship with God as well. I got better response on this side of the auditorium. Uh, I know when I go to Australia, sometimes in, in every city I go to over there, and in nearly every church that I preach in, I may be the only one in a suit. And the pastors tell me, Brother Jerry, you don't have to preach in a suit. We come casual. I said, oh, yes, I do. You come like you want. But I have to wear a suit. In fact, I'm more comfortable in a suit. The only time I don't preach in a suit is when I'm doing chariots of light, biker rallies. And it's just not appropriate to wear a suit on my motorcycle. Not only that, there's a stronger anointing in black leather. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And, and I get told quite often, Brother Jerry, you're old school. Amen. Amen. Well, if I am, leave me alone because it's working. Amen. It's working. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't hear me begging. You don't hear me pleading. You don't hear me saying we're about to go down the tubes. You don't hear me saying nothing's working. Hey, it's working. Praise God. Amen. They got sloppy, yes. and it and it appeared or it or it uh, uh, surfaced in their relationship with God as well. Amen. So, once again, 
I know I'm going to get some ugly letters about this. From pastors in jeans with holes in them. But uh, I don't care. It's not the first time I've got an ugly letter. The Apostle Paul said that one of the keys to his success was he got delivered of people. I'm delivered of the opinions of people. Hallelujah. They have their opinion. I have mine. Why can't I have mine if they can have theirs? Okay. Now, notice, and I want to give you five different things that I have learned from reading the book of of, uh, Haggai. Five different principles. And let me say this first. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 from the message translation says, These all are warnings written down so we don't repeat their mistakes. The reason that we have this account in the book of Haggai is for our benefit, the Bible says, so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Now, five things, five principles that I've learned from the book of Haggai Number one is, stop making excuses for not putting first things first. Stop making excuses for not putting first things first. Number two, stop being selfish, thinking only of your wants and your desires. Are you writing these down? Stop being selfish, thinking of only your wants And your desires. Number three, take a good look at where you have put the things of God in your list of priorities. Take a good look at where you have put the things of God in your list of priorities. Number four, stop being the reason that your blessings are being blocked. Stop being the reason. That your blessings are being blocked. And then number five. Let God hold the highest place in your life now and forever. Let God hold the highest place in your life now and forever. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 from the message translation says. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love Him with all you've got. So our greatest love and our deepest affection should be directed toward God. God told Abraham, the father of faith, in Genesis 17, 1, from the message translation, or from the Amplified, rather, walk and live habitually before me. Walk and live habitually for me, meaning unending. Unending, unceasing, not not seasonal, not just when everything's going well, but always, amen. habitually. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? He said, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Jesus made this statement in John fourteen fifteen: If you love me, Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. The message translation says, 
If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. Amen. In other words, he's saying, I I want more than just words. I appreciate you saying, I love you. But I want you to show me by doing what I've told you. Can you say amen? amen? Now, one of the major things that Jesus told us is found in Matthew six thirty three, And the Amplified Bible says, But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, His kingdom and His righteousness. And then the Amplified defines that as His way of doing and being right. Amen. So He tells us, If you love me, then do what I say. Do what I've told you. And what I'm telling you is this. Seek at, aim at, and strive after, first of all, above everything else. I wrote some definitions here of the word first. It means in the foremost place, the highest or greatest of importance, ranking above all else, prominent. So he says, first of all, seek after my kingdom and my righteousness. And once again, the Amplified expounds upon that and says, his way of doing and being right. Say this with me. My first priority priority is to seek God, God, his kingdom, his His righteousness, his His way of doing, and his way of being right. Now, if you're going to do that, then obviously you're going to have to spend some time in the Word to find out what is His way of doing things. Because the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof is destruction. There is a a way that seems right. I always like to say, if there is a way that seems right, then there is a way that is right. And that's God's way. As I've said before, Brother Copeland said many, many years ago, he said, God's way is the right way. Amen. 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 But how can I know God's way? This book. This book. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus perfectly expressed the will, the nature, and the character of God. So if you want to see how God does things, follow the ministry of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Just follow the ministry of Jesus. Amen. You know, there, there was a, 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 a phrase or a slogan or something years ago. And uh, it was very popular for a time. What would Jesus do? You'd see it on billboards. You'd see it, you'd see it uh, uh, you know, in different places around the city. What would Jesus do? It was a, a campaign for some organization. That's still a good plan. Amen. What? would Jesus do? What would he do to experience the maximum and the highest level attainable? Would you like to know? For additional messages by Jerry Savelle, write Post Office Box 748. No, let's find out. Now remember, the theme of our message today is this. What we do first is a vital key to living in the maximum. What we do first is a vital key to living in the maximum. All right, now, 
Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. If we're going to do first things first, let's start at the first. Genesis chapter 1. Now, without taking the time to read a lot of these verses in Genesis chapter 1, let's just begin with verse 29. Well, let's back up to verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, in his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, empowered them to prosper. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, now follow this verse very closely. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the earth, or in the which, is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Now notice, God empowered man to prosper by blessing him. That's what to be blessed means, to be empowered to prosper. Okay? And then he said, now that I have empowered you to prosper, be fruitful. Amen. Be fruitful or successful. Amen. Amen. Have dominion. Amen. And then he said, and now the next thing I'm going to give you is seed. Yeah. Amen. Seed. Amen. Notice we're talking about in the beginning. So this is God's way of doing He said, I'm giving you seed, and for you it shall be for meat. And there are other translations says, for provision. Seed is for (coughs) provision. Amen. 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 You plant seeds to provide. I was born on a farm in Mississippi. and, And my grandfather farmed... Uh, A lot of the acreage, we had nearly 70 acres, and he farmed a lot of it. There's a lot of hills in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And and our land was very hilly, had gullies and streams on part of it. But there was an area that was real flat, and that's where my grandfather planted every year. And he called it the flat. Son, let's go to the flat. And I knew what that meant. That's where we went to till the ground, plant the seed, and that's where we went to harvest the crop. Amen. Okay? So, my grandfather bought that farm in 1927. 1927. Just before the Great Depression came. That's where my dad was raised. He was just a young boy when my grandfather bought that place. That's where I was born. And grand, my grandfather planted every year and he expected a harvest every year and he would tell me so somewhere we have a great harvest this year 
And I'd say to him, you've heard me tell this before, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again. (laughs) Grandpa, you say every year we're going to have a great harvest. How do you know we're going to have a great harvest? And he'd always come back with the same answer. Son, this is good old Mississippi Delta soil. You you can plant a a stick in here and next year it'd be a tree. I believed him. (laughs) But we did have good crops every year. And Grandpa took a lot of it to town and sold it. So it not only was provision, uh, he, he, he fed the cattle with a lot of it. He fed us with a lot of it. He fed our neighbors with a lot of it. Neighbors that didn't have uh, uh, produce or, or crops. And he'd allow them to come and get some if they needed it. And so it was for provision. He planted seed for provision. Look at your neighbor and say, you plant seed... For provision. That doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Amen? You plant seed for provision. This was God's way of doing things. Remember now, Matthew 6, 33. Seek, aim at, strive after God's way of doing. That's what we're doing this morning. We're striving after God's way of doing things. And he says that the way you experience provision or the way you will have your life sustained is through the seeds that you sow. My life is sustained by the seeds I sow. Your life is sustained by the seeds you sow. The only way that your life could be sustained by the seeds I sow is if I share some of my crop with you. Some of my harvest with you, which that's what I do. uh, the, The Bible says, God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will empower you to prosper and through your prosperity, you'll be able to bless others. So you can live off of my seed if I choose to share some harvest with you. Which I do all over the world. I, people live off of my, my harvest. Amen. Amen. But God's way of doing things is you determine your harvest. You determine your harvest by the seeds that you sow. Is everybody here? Everybody still here? Say, I receive it, Brother Jerry. All right, now, listen to this. Seed is sown for provision. This is God's way from the very beginning, and it has not changed. Even though Adam blew it, God's method for provision didn't change. In fact, in Genesis 8.22, he says, As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. God intended for man to have his life sustained by the seeds that he sows in the beginning. And that has continued throughout man's entirety of existence. Amen. Amen. And it's still the same principle today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we know that, that working hard, God will bless the work of your hands. We know that's a part of being successful. We know that's a part of, of, of living well. But God's intention was... You don't depend on what you can do alone. Amen. Amen. 
with your own hands. Get God involved by sowing seed. That's how you link yourself to the supernatural. I, I like God blessing the work of my hands, but I also like Him getting involved in things my hands haven't done. <laughs> Amen. When I was in the automotive business doing paint and body work, I worked with my hands, you know, sanding cars, replacing the metal on the cars. And, you know, in Australia, we have some Australia guests here today. They call them panel beaters. Well, I was a panel beater. Hallelujah. And uh, that's, that's how I sustained myself. That's how Carolyn and I were sustained and our two daughters when they were very young before we moved to Fort Worth. That's how we sustained ourselves. And I didn't know these principles back then. You know, my daddy taught me to work hard. Amen. He, he told me when I was a little boy. I can only remember two scriptures my dad shared with me when I was a young boy. One was a man that don't work, don't eat. He said that was in the Bible. I believed him. So I went to work. I like eating. Amen. 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 Then when I got married, he said, a man that won't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. I wasn't sure what an infidel was, but it didn't sound good. So I didn't want to be one. (laughs) Amen. That's only two scriptures my dad gave me. In fact, when I told my dad, he was underneath his old race car, getting it ready for a race on Saturday night. And he was underneath the car. And I went down to the shop behind our house. I said, Dad, I need to tell you something. He said, what is it, son? I'm I'm working on the the third member here. He said, uh, I said, Dad, I'm getting married. He rolled out under that creeper, on that creeper, and he said, to who? Because <laughs> he never liked any of the other girls I ever dated. I said, Carolyn. He said, okay, that's good. And he rolled back under. <laughs> and then he rolled back out and he said, this is the only advice he gave me. You know how much it costs to be married? I said, no. He said, you're about to find out. And he went back under the car. But he already told me as a young boy, work. work. If you want to eat, work. work. So I did that. But I didn't know how to God, bring God into my life. I didn't know the Bible could actually be lived by. I thought it was just a storybook. It's just a storybook. Nobody ever told me I could live by the words in this book. That didn't happen until later. you know. And then I found out how to add God and the supernatural to what I knew to do. I, like, I heard somebody say it this way. I believe it was Brother Colbert. He said, when, when you add the super to your natural, you get supernatural. Amen. Amen. So, notice here, God is telling us how our lives are to be sustained. It's through the seeds that we sow. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let me ask you this question. What are your greatest needs, your greatest desires... And your greatest wants for 2023. Sometimes take the time to write them down. What are my greatest desires and wants and needs in 2023? Now, once you write them down, seriously think about 
what you will sow in order to see them accomplished. Oh, you quit writing. Why did you quit writing? (laughs) Once you write all those great needs, desires, and wants for 2023, you mean God's interested in my wants? Yes. God's interested in my desires? Yes. God's interested in my needs? Yes. He's the God who cares. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So write them down and then think about this. What are you willing to sow in order to see them fulfilled? Now, here's the way Carol and I have learned to do, and we've learned to do this years ago. Is particularly ever since the Lord has been giving me a prophetic word for the year, and that began in 1991. And I've set aside time in October every year since 1991 to receive that prophetic word. And that's when... Uh, Brother Copeland spoke prophetically over me and said, God's moving you into a new dimension of ministry in the office of the seer. And it's part of the prophetic ministry. He's going to show you things to come and then hold you responsible for sharing them to the people that he sends you to all over the world. So that has been uh, a priority in my life since, uh, uh, since August of 1991. Okay. So once I receive the prophetic word, the next thing I do, besides, well, the first thing I do is write it down, and then I take it to my uh, uh, publication department and have them make me one of these for my notebook, 2023, the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. Why? Because the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. Keep it before you, that it might motivate you. And then the next thing I do is I have the art department to make little bookmarks so that each one of you can have one with that same message on it. 2023, the year of the maximum and the highest level attainable. And if you haven't picked up one of those, go back to the book room and get one on your way out. Keep it before you. Amen. Keep it before you. Now, the next thing I do is... I think about or pray about, and a combination of both, what seed will I sow to ensure that this comes to pass in my life? First things first. First things first. Now, I sow all the time. I'm a sower, and sowers sow all the time. But for the fulfillment of this... I ask the Lord to give me what I should sow as a special seed that I designate for the fulfillment of this prophetic word coming to pass in my life. And I might add, it's already coming to pass. I'll give you an example. We very soon, the end of this month, uh, we'll be flying our first trip in our Falcon 50 to South Africa. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first time I'm able to fly my international airplane on an international trip. It's a long ways to South Africa. Amen. We've already got the trip planned out. In fact, tomorrow morning... Those of us that are traveling with me 
will be spending about four hours out at the airport going through emergency procedures. My pilots have already gone through this. Now the passengers are going through this so that we're not expecting any emergencies. But should anything come up, it doesn't catch us off guard and we don't know what to do. Amen. That's just a safety factor. Okay. So we will spend three to four hours tomorrow morning out at the airport going through emergency procedures. Now, I needed to do some upgrades on the avionics on my plane because some international laws have changed over the last few years. There are certain countries you can't fly into or fly over without these specific changes or upgrades in avionics. Okay? So, owning an airplane is one thing. Maintaining an airplane is another. Amen. Owning it, and it's debt-free. We own the airplane. Hallelujah. But maintaining it is another deal. And so I was believing God for extra finances that I wouldn't have to take out of general operating expenses. To upgrade avionics. Okay. That's half a million dollars. Just to upgrade the avionics. Now, I've I've said this before. When I spend half a million dollars on avionics, I want them to deliver them in an uh, an (laughs) 18-wheeler. No, they come out of a little van in boxes like this. That's half a million dollars? Yeah. Am I right? So what do you do? If you have need for half a million dollars to upgrade the avionics, I have given you seed for meat. I've given you seed for provision. That was God's way at the beginning. It's still God's ways now. And I learned this a long time ago. And I began doing it. And I keep on doing it. And it keeps on working for me. Hallelujah. Now, we needed uh, about a quarter of a million of it to start off. Didn't need the whole half a million right away, but at least a quarter of a million of it to start off. And I'm pleased to report from my sowing seed into other ministries with airplanes, $390,000 has already come in. Amen. That's seed for provision. See, I'm, I'm still doing what God told Adam to do. And as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. And if seed time and harvest shall not cease, then that means if we continue practicing this way that God does things, then we can anticipate and expect His kind of results. If you believe it, give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I ask you again today. What are your greatest needs, your greatest desires, and your greatest wants in 2023? And are you seriously thinking and praying about what special seed you will sow to ensure that it happens? This is God's way of doing things. 
Can you say amen? Amen. Now, Jesus made this statement in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 3. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. That's what sowers do. A sower went forth to sow. That's what sowers do. You know, what does a lawyer do? He, he well, among other things, he, uh, Keep it he he's a planner. He prepares to go to trial. Amen. Amen. What does a mechanic do? Come on. What does a mechanic do? He works on engines. He works on transmissions. That's what he does. What do sowers do? Uh, Let me see. They sow. Sowers sow. And Jesus said, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. So that's what sowers do. How many sowers in the house today? Then that should be just as natural to you as breathing. Sowers sow. Amen. Now, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Passion Translation says, For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. And the Phillips translation says, A man's harvest in life depends entirely upon that which he sows. Depends entirely upon that which he sows. So who's in charge of the harvest? You are. Amen. We plant, but it's God who gives the increase. But we determine the increase. By the seeds we sow. Can you say amen? Paul went on to say, if you sow sparingly, then you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. So we are the ones (coughs) who are determining the kind of harvest that we will receive. Can anybody agree with that? That being said, then I can make this assumption. I'm responsible for my own harvest. I'm responsible for my own harvest. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Do sowers expect a harvest? What farmer goes to the field and says, this is a waste of time. I'm not even going to sow. But I'd like a harvest. There's no harvest without sowing. What, what, what farmer goes to the field and says, uh, give me a harvest and then I'll plant some seed? That's backwards. That's like a man told me one time. He said, uh, Brother Jerry, if you'll believe with me that somebody will give me the money to buy the airplane that I'm believing for, I'll give you the one I'm flying now. That's like, that's like walking up to the fireplace and saying, uh, give me some heat and I will throw in some wood. That's backwards. 
That's not the way I learned. Anytime I was believing for my next airplane, I sold the one that I was flying then first. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And and God's always blessed me with a bigger, better, faster airplane. That's how I got this Falcon 50, praise God. Sowing airplanes. Every seed produces after its own kind. We've been privileged to sow seven out of nine aircraft that we've owned over the last 50-something years. Amen. Amen. And look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So to say, uh, I want a harvest, and when I receive it, then I'm going to sow seed. That's like people that say, and I've had people say this to me. Brother Jerry, when my ship comes in, I'm going to send your ministry a big offering. I think most people that say that never sent a ship out. Amen. <laughs> and I know there are a lot of people who have good intentions, have good intentions, but good intentions can slip away just as quick as you formed them or made them. You know, you could have good intentions this morning while I'm preaching. Boy, I'm getting this. I'm going to sow a seed. I'm going to sow a large seed. Just as soon as I get home, I'm going to sow a seed. Yes, sir. I'm going to sow a seed. A big one. Hallelujah. I can hardly wait to get home. In between here and home, all that inspiration (laughs) can leave with one phone call. A one person telling you something negative. You know, last year I sowed a big seed. Got nothing back. This doesn't work. Oh, dear Jesus. What happened to all that inspiration? You know, I told you uh, back before Christmas that Christmas Eve I was going to be 76. I'm 76 now. And I said, and I plan for 2023 to be in the best shape of my life. I planned it. I planned it. I had good intentions. (laughs) Yes, sir, I had good intentions. In fact, I walked by my my workout room. I said, soon I'm going to come in there and see you now. (laughs) Then a week went by and I I went by the workout room. The, The workout room in my river house is next to my bedroom. The one in the Crowley house is next to my study. I pass by both places every day. And the one in the river room, I walked in there yesterday morning. As soon as I get back from Africa, I'm going to be... I'm going <laughs> Now, I did go in there and do a little bit, but that, that little bit didn't count. In fact, I was glad I got a phone call and distracted me. (laughs) See, successful people do what other people don't want to do, you know. Good intentions. They can leave you quicker than you can go through that door. Okay. But I really am. (laughs) 
going to be in the best shape of my life sometime during 2023. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, don't laugh at me because you're laughing and you have the same problem. Verse 9, Galatians chapter 6, let us not be weary in well-doing. And the well-doing he's talking about is sowing. Read it. That's the theme in Galatians 6. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The message translation says, if we do not give up or quit. And the passion translation says, the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planned is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you planned a wonderful harvest? And the Passion Translation says, it's coming, praise God. Amen. Now go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17 for a moment. 1 Kings chapter 17. Now I learned this a long, long time ago. In fact, this was a message the Lord gave me. I, I, I learned it before this. But God really, how should I say this? Uh, it really became a deep revelation in October of 1981. While I was preaching with Brother Copeland in the Believers Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. Chapter 17. And let's begin in verse 9. And God is speaking to the prophet Elijah and says, Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now notice that phrase, sustain thee. She's going to do something for him that will sustain him. But we're going to find out what God told her to do sustained her. Not only the prophet, but her as well. Now look at this. Remember now, I have given thee seed for provision to sustain thee. So that's what seed is about, for provision. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now notice, not only did the prophet needed to be sustained, but she did as well. She has told him that in the natural, I don't have enough to make you a cake. All I have is enough to make something for my son and I. We're going to eat it and die. And then notice as we continue to read. 
Verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Everybody say first. first. See, what you do first matters to God. Amen. What you do first matters to God. Now, I wrote this down in my notes. And let me see where I said it. She gave up the certain for the uncertain. He said, make me a little cake first. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did. That may be the most important words in that story. She went and did. She went and did. And what did she went and did? She made him a little cake first. What you do first matters to God. What you do first depends on whether or not you experience the maximum and the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? All right, let's keep reading. She and her house did eat many days. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So once again, her willingness to obey opened the door to the supernatural. Her willingness to obey. Make me a little cake first. We're still here at the first of 2023. Tonight we're going to have a special service, which, as you know, we don't have them very often. I wanted to do this back in December, but I wasn't uh, completely prepared for it, so we postponed it until tonight. This would have been the message that I would have preached to you back then. But due to the fact that we had to postpone this special evening service tonight, Uh, then that's why I'm bringing it to you now. Our theme of our desire to build all new facilities, it's about the harvest. Just since we began this theme uh, earlier last year, have you noticed how many houses have gone up around us? Non-stop building, non-stop construction. We've sold all the land that we owned around the church, with the exception of the property that the church is on, the youth building is on, and small amount of acreage that it sets on. But we sold all the other acreage so that we could put the money into the new auditorium Amen. and be able to pay cash as we go. Amen. Okay? Amen. And we're building a new auditorium. I mean, this it's full in here this morning. If, if we just had a tenth of the new neighbors Come on. from the houses that are being yes. built around us, yes. we couldn't get them all in here. That's right. That's now, this building has served us well. Amen. I mean, we've, we've, we've knocked out walls. We've enlarged. We've done everything we can do to accommodate, you know, the crowds that we have. But it's just too small. Amen. And, and we... we 
endeavored to do two morning services, but that's hard on the staff. You know, and I'd rather us be able to do one service and be able to seat more people. And so that's what we're planning. Now, I'm going to tell you about all of our progress tonight. But I ask you to begin praying about the seed that you sow into the continuation of this building program. And tonight we're going to be receiving that seed. And I'm trusting that all of you have prayed about it. Now, you might say, well, Brother Jerry, we just came from off of Christmas. Uh, is this really the best time to sow a seed? I've had that asked of me. But according to God's way of doing, were the conditions perfect for this woman? Not at all. And the Bible tells us in uh, Proverbs, no, Ecclesiastes, he that waits, he that observes the wind before he sows. And the Amplified says, and waits for all the conditions to be perfect. See, most of the time, my greatest harvest has been the result of my sowing when the conditions were not perfect. It's easy to sow when the conditions are perfect. Amen. I mean, when the conditions are perfect, what, what would hinder you to sow and to sow big? But it's not likely that that's the way God would have you to do it. Because it takes faith to sow when the conditions are not perfect. It takes faith to sow when in the natural, it doesn't look like it's the time to sow. Oh, are you one of those Haggaiites? Well, he, he wasn't like that, but the people he preached to. It's not time. It's not time. This is not a good time. It's not a good time. When would be a good time? When would be a good time? If we wait for the conditions to be perfect, Satan will see to it they're never perfect. Amen. So tonight in our special evening service, there's some things we'll be sharing with you. I call it a state of the ministry address. Hallelujah. Where we are. What's been accomplished? Where we're, where we're headed next? You're going to like the reports, praise God. Amen. Amen. And I'll go ahead and tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what we, what we got out of the sale of the land. I'll tell you exactly what you as a church has sown. I'll tell you exactly what partners of Jerry Savelle Ministries International has sown. And where we are. In those accounts. And I'll also tell you this. And I can't wait until tonight. So I'm going to tell you now. I practice what I preach. I discovered that Richard Roberts. Is building new buildings. For OREA. He called me and asked me to set myself in agreement with him. For the finances that it's going to take. To build those new uh, offices and facilities 
the, what they are in right now does not accommodate them and will not accommodate them in the future. And immediately I thought, first things first. Amen. First things first. I said, Richard, I'd like to be the first person who sows into that project. Amen. And he didn't say, no, Brother Jerry, um, do you want to spend some time praying about it? I said, no. He didn't say that. But I said, I want to be one of the first people who sow into that project out of our building fund. And let me clarify this so you won't get upset. I didn't sow it from the money you gave. I sowed it from the money my partners from JSMI gave. So you have no beef with me. So I took $100,000 out of what my partners had sown and I sewed it into Richard Roberts' building program first. You know what we just did? We just set ourselves up to build a debt-free facility, praise God. Hallelujah. Maximum results, the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? I will never preach to you something that I don't practice myself. Not only that, you will hear the results of it very soon. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The seed is in the ground for our future, and the harvest is coming up. Amen. Glory, to God. Glory to God. Do you receive this today? Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I just, I just shared with you. God's way of doing and being right. Amen. Now, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Are we going to keep making excuses as to why we can't do that? No, don't make excuses. In fact, let me, let me share this with you in closing. If you look in the book of Haggai, after... Uh, Haggai had given them the word of the Lord, told them to consider their ways. Then the Bible says in chapter 1 and verse 14, the latter part of the verse, And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Notice what he said to them stirred them up to action. Stirred them to action. And then in the second chapter, in verse 19, the latter part of that verse, God tells them, from this day will I bless you. From this day will I bless you. So notice what happened. They got stirred up about doing first things first. And they went and did, just like the little woman that we read about in 1 Kings. They got busy building and rebuilding Restoring the temple. And God said, from this day, I will bless you. I decree in the name of Jesus that from this day, God is going to take you to the maximum and to the highest level attainable in the name of Jesus. And if you believe it, give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Pastor Justin.